the Momentum Podcast is back after undoubtedly the longest break that will ever occur in this podcast future. But moving forward, there are some things I'm really excited about, the direction of the podcast, some of the upcoming guests, some of the upcoming topics. I'm sure we'll get to all that. I actually want to record at some point a direction of the podcast podcast or a moving forward uh, episode where we just sort of talk about the things that I have planned, the things that I want to do, the things that I would like to see accomplished from the podcast, etc. But more on that at some point soon. In the meantime, I wanted to get this episode out soon because summer is already in full swing. Fourth of July is right around the corner. A lot of vacations are going to be coming up. A lot of Cabo trips for people. Uh, August, big vacation month. I think Labor Day comes up in September. So I think this could be a useful one. And how I usually gauge whether or not to do a topic for a solo episode uh, is what happens when I have this conversation with people, usually friends, family. Uh, If the topic comes up, even sometimes it'll come up just people saying, hey, what's your next podcast episode about? And I'll kind of throw it out there. And I have had this conversation about this episode topic a handful of times over the last few weeks. And each time it's been something that, you know, when I'm talking to someone, they'll say, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. So that tells me that it's probably something that would make a decent episode, something that, you know, if if one or two people, if it seems to strike a chord with one or two people, hopefully it'll strike a chord with more. And that's the topic of how to stay in shape on vacation. And the funny thing about making episodes like this is I can just hear myself answering to someone. How do I stay in shape on vacation? You stay in shape on vacation, bro. Like you just train and you eat good and that's how you do it. Yeah, that is the answer, uh, but it's not very useful and it doesn't actually make for a podcast episode longer than four seconds. So I think there are some just things that you can put in the back of your mind and then some practical strategies that go, uh, wow, I use the term practical strategies a lot in this podcast. I'm sure we could do a some sort of account of how many times I've said that and we're only on episode 10, but practical strategies, boom, 11, to staying in shape on vacation that I think just having them at the forefront of your mind make it easier and and make going on vacation more doable. This is an episode that you could look at the topic and go, I don't even know if I want to listen to that because I already know what I need to do. I just need to eat good, but it's not fun. And I don't want to train when I'm on vacation. I really think if you give this episode a shot, you could come out the other side with a little bit more clarity and actually a little bit more excited to go on vacation because it doesn't need to be as difficult as I think we make it out to be sometimes. And that's where I think continuing to ask the question why can be really useful um, to get down to the root of something, whether that's a claim that somebody's making or trying to figure out where we stand internally with something or what someone's really trying to say to us, just digging a little bit deeper. And if you dig deeper on vacations, like, you know, first it's like, well, why do we go on vacations? Well, because we want to have a good time. Of course, we want to make memories all these things, but if you get down to the root of it and you keep asking why, it's really to enhance our life. And there's always some sort of trade-off between short-term and long-term behaviors and and the role that they play in 
positively or negatively enhancing our life. Easy example here is eating five donuts, maybe has a transient or temporary good feeling associated with it, literally while you're eating the donuts, but before you even finish, it's replaced by probably feeling guilty, feeling a little sloppy, feeling like you set yourself back. Um, and these behaviors over time, if you if you weigh out the scale of how does that impact your day, week, month, year, decade, you know, these decisions are are a net negative when it's all said and done. And I'm certainly not suggesting that every single decision has to be the hardest decision ever because, you know, long term is is the only thing that matters and you just sacrifice continually day to day. You know, that's a good maybe overarching structure. But the flip example would be if you're working all the time um, and you have an opportunity to go to a dinner with your wife or your husband and your friends, you could probably stay home and get another two and a half hours of work done. But what is how is that going to play out in the long term? Are you burning yourself out to a degree that's just your productivity is dropping, your relationships start getting negatively affected, which then impacts your work even more? These examples hopefully illustrate this teeter-tottering between thinking short-term and thinking long-term. And generally, you're always thinking long-term. And sometimes we have to take these short-term decisions like going to a dinner because in the long run, even though you're missing out on these two and a half hours of work, you are enhancing your resilience to stress and it's going to be a net positive. So aiming for your vacation to be a net positive versus a net negative is the way to go. And maybe that does mean having a pizza on your last night on vacation or having a Mai Tai when you check into your hotel. By the way, alcohol is going to have its own section of this episode. More on that shortly. But first, now that we've sort of set the stage for big picture, what is a vacation supposed to do? It's supposed to enhance our life. I've found it useful to think about the end of the vacation practically instead of thinking emotionally about the vacation because what happens is we tend to get into this headspace of, you know, I really only have two choices. Either I go and do whatever I want, eat whatever I want, and have fun, or I go and I'm disciplined and the trip sucks because I can't eat anything fun, and that's just the way it goes. This is why robots are going to kill us because they don't think emotionally, and they think, well, I, I guess I'm speaking for robots, but from what I understand about robots, um, they don't have emotions, and they're going to think about it more logically, which if you actually think about what, what happens on a vacation, rather than what I just illustrated, this is more realistic. You have two choices. Either one, you go and do whatever you want, eat whatever you want. You have some fun, but a couple days into the trip, you're already feeling pretty sloppy. By the end, you feel really sloppy, and you're pretty bummed out on the last day because now you got to go home vacation's over. You feel like you probably gained about 10 pounds, set yourself back. Now you got to go home, get right back to work and you feel weighed down, probably tired, probably hungover and sloppy. And the other option is you go on vacation. You're on vacation. So you're obviously somewhere cool. You're with maybe friends or your spouse or your whoever. You go in with some sort of a plan. You enjoy some drinks, you enjoy some food, but 
you don't fall off the wagon completely and you still maintain and exercise some form of training routine while you're gone. And by the end of the trip, you had fun because you were in the Bahamas and you are revitalized, you're energized, you go back home with some momentum. Not only did you get a mental break from work, but you didn't take 12 steps backwards. You don't feel sloppy. Um, and you have some good memories. Now you could, you could view a vacation however you want, but I've found that really thinking about it logically, um, and as far as how it actually plays out is pretty useful because we can get in this headspace of like, I only have two choices and that's just not true. So step one really is just a mindset shift. Think like a robot. Do not be a human being, whatever you do. Cool. And shifting away from more mindset and into some, uh uh-oh, practical strategy, have a plan. And this is an interesting one because if you look at, this is a recent study actually, and I almost hate quoting studies because half the time, way more than half the time, they're almost useless. Uh, But this one's pretty interesting. Just looking at the researchers were looking for commonalities in people who had lost a lot of weight and then kept it off because we've all seen people lose a bunch of weight. Biggest Loser is a great example. They these people lose an an enormous amount of weight and almost all of them put it all back on and then some. But if you look at people who have lost a lot of weight and kept it off, and I can't remember the exact stipulations, but it had to be for multiple years. I think it was like over five years that they had to keep the weight off. What what they wanted to find was, was there a certain eating, you know, did, was it intermittent fasting? Was it uh, the ketogenic diet? Was it a vegan diet? And at the end of it, no real diet emerged. There wasn't a it wasn't intermittent fasting. It wasn't fasting. There, there was no diet that seemed to be the one thing. The only thing that emerged as something that was extremely common that almost everyone did that had maintained their weight, well, there was it, it was behaviors. So there was a set of behaviors. And one of them was having a plan. This is another one that maybe sounds obvious, but it's extremely useful. And if you've ever had to you know, track your calories or be on any sort of performance plan, you'll know how useful it is to sort of just think about your day ahead of time. And this becomes so second nature. It's not even, you don't even have to think about it. It's like, it becomes like brushing your teeth in the morning is to just think about what is the day going to look like tomorrow um, or, or today when you wake up in the morning. And so you're on vacation, you'd know tonight is the night that we're doing dinner at X look at the menu on your phone, plan out kind of like, okay, I think I'm going to get this and learn to sort of structure your day around that. So if you know that it's the night, like I mentioned earlier, that you're going to get pizza, then try to go real protein heavy throughout the day. So have a lighter early meal, have a lighter lunch and set yourself up to where that pizza is not completely crushing you. That's also going to keep you more full and you're just going to have more peace of mind and more rationale behind the decisions that you make throughout the day. Or in the reverse, if it's, you know, there's this great breakfast spot and you know that you're going to eat maybe a bigger breakfast, think about the rest of your day. Okay, we're going out for breakfast. We're also going out for dinner. Um, So I know that for dinner, I'm probably just going to order, you know, a steak and some vegetables along with it and keep it somewhat light. And I'm not talking about like a 24 ounce ribeye as much as I love a 24 or maybe two 24 ounce ribeyes, not extremely light from a calorie standpoint. So maybe a a leaner red meat or 
a leaner cut of fish or chicken and some vegetables and it still tastes delicious because maybe you're at a good restaurant but you're you're modifying your behavior around what's important in the day this is useful just in everyday life i mean i do this every day um most of my days look exactly the same but if we're going to go out for a dinner or a happy hour or whatever it is i just immediately in the morning just sort of know if i can look up the menu great if not i kind of know what i'm going to lean towards when we go out and i just change my eating throughout the day to accommodate that. So step one, mindset shift. Step two, have a plan. Step three, if you've heard any of my previous podcast episodes, it's likely that I mentioned something about physical activity helping to modulate your appetite. And you will probably notice this just subjectively in your life. Um, This has been demonstrated in studies as well, that if you move more, to some degree and just get exercise in, you will naturally have better control of your appetite. There could be several reasons for this, probably for a separate episode and probably an episode that I would like to have someone specifically on to discuss rather than me going into it. But this has been demonstrated interventionally. People split into different groups with different exercise levels, starting at sedentary all the way to pretty highly active and the sedentary group actually would eat the most when they were able to eat ad libitum or just you know as much as they wanted also from a psychological standpoint if you are moving and getting exercise getting your heart rate elevated if there's a gym at the hotel or wherever you're staying and you're getting some resistance training in you are going to be in such a better headspace it's going to set you up for success much better than if you are just feeling lazy, not moving. So beyond the physiology of movement and activity, helping to modulate your appetite, it's just the psychology, you know, is a big deal. And whatever we can do to set ourselves up to win, I think that's an action that we should take. And a lot of people will say, I wish that I was, you know, disciplined, or I wish that I was, you know, had more control over my eating. Well, then you should try doing things that will make it easier on yourself. So if you train, you're probably going to be more likely to make a better decision. So being active, if you can, you know, it's great to be on vacations where there's hiking and kayaking and climbing, whatever involved. That's great. If you're staying at an all-inclusive or something where, you know, you're not really doing much other than just lounging by the pool, then do some sort of activity first thing when you get up, just that's going to set the tone for the day. Maybe get up, have your coffee, whatever you do. And something extremely with extremely minimal friction. So something that doesn't require a ton of equipment or, you know, a lot of time to set something up just like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do 100 air squats and 100 push-ups. Or if you can't do push-ups, you know, 100 modified push-ups or whatever it is, something to get your heart rate elevated, you know, get some blood flow and set up your psychology to to be in a headspace of I'm moving, I'm training, I'm not just lounging on this vacation. And that will set you up for the rest of the day. And then if you can get a resistance training session in, if there's a, a again, a, a gym at your hotel or wherever you're staying, find a way to get a training session in and just move throughout the day. If you're going to, you know, go somewhere that's two minutes away, maybe walk there and walk back. 
just move and do little things throughout the day. I mentioned in one of my videos, I think it's on my Instagram, things you can do if you're caught in a rut. And one of them was try to get out of breath three times a day. Really subjective. I made up the number three, but I think it's a, a good number, a good kind of thing to go off of. And it will just help you keep a level of momentum. And this comes back to having a plan. So I like to, again, sort of think about how the day is going to look. Okay, we're leaving early in the morning. So I'm probably not going to get an early morning workout in, but I know that when we get back, there's going to be an hour of downtime between, you know, the beach and lunch or something like that. That's when I'm going to train or today's going to be slammed. So I need to get up early and just get something done. So I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day, something like that to where you have an isolated block of training, whether that's just, you know, you don't have a gym, it's just body weight stuff, or you get a real session in at the gym, but then you have that blocked off for the day, even if it's 20 to 30 minutes of, of isolated training, and then just throughout the day, do whatever you can to move around and be active. Hikes are awesome. Walking is awesome. Swimming is great. Anything. And that will naturally set you up to again it'll set you up from a psychological and a physiological standpoint so we started with mindset kind of moved into big picture strategy and we're just going to keep moving more and more into the tactics uh, as these next couple steps come along so the next one is going to be on the topic of alcohol if you don't drink fantastic uh, you can either skip this portion or you can send it to somebody that you know that does drink. That would be my preferred option. I don't think I'm asking too much for you to just go through every single contact in your phone. Even the people you haven't talked to in five or 10 years, just text them this episode. Um, go through your email contacts, all of your work contacts, post it on every one of your social media platforms. Again, I think that's just a realistic ask. It's the least that you could do. And audio is pretty tough. Can't see my facial expressions. So I guarantee there's gonna be someone who takes that serious and is just thinking, Steven, that guy has a huge ego, huge expectations. Um, that was obviously a joke. But on the topic of alcohol, step one, and if you drink, you probably already know that I'm gonna say this, but don't mix. Like mixed drinks, again, I mentioned earlier, maybe part of what makes your life better or makes the vacation a long-term net positive is having that one Mai Tai when you get to your hotel or something like that. But drinking mixed drinks, multiple of them, if you've never looked into calories or uh, macros, it is staggering. If you watch one of these drinks being made, uh, best example, because these are mixed drinks, so you're not you're not going to be able to Google the nutrition facts on these. They're going to pour in what they pour in. Um, so best example would be if you guys are familiar and not to throw this brand under the bus, but Cutwater, uh, they make these canned Mai Tais and canned margaritas. You actually can pull up the nutrition facts on these. And in one of their Mai Tais, there's 24 grams of sugar. Obviously, alcohol does not contain any sugar directly. So you're just drinking a drink and you're getting an extra essentially 100 calories of straight sugar. And no, I'm not directly demonizing sugar as a whole. Uh, but when it is coming along for the ride in every one of your drinks, which by the way, cut waters are very, very conservative compared to the 
type of mixed drinks that you're most likely getting, especially if you're at a hotel or an all-inclusive where everybody knows that it's just more cost-effective from the hotel standpoint to put a tiny amount of alcohol in there and an exorbitant amount of all the mixers because they're much cheaper. So 100 extra calories of carbohydrates or sugar is very conservative. Again, you're probably going to be getting more like two to potentially 300 extra calories per drink of straight carbohydrates, which by the way, those carbohydrates are not really going to fill you up at all. So it's not really going to act as food. Um, and don't even get me started on drinks that use cream or fat calories as well. So like your pina coladas, I want to say there's probably some form of Geez, I'm not a bartender, but I'm pretty certain there's some fat in there. A decent amount, and so that'll add up a ton. Now, if you're one of those people that, you know, has one drink and you're done because you're dancing on the tabletop already, uh, maybe this doesn't affect you as much because, you know, an extra 100 or so calories, maybe not the end of the world. Um, those people are like mystical creatures to me, though. Um, probably pretty rare. Most people, if you are drinking and you are on vacation, you're probably going to have multiple drinks and that's where it really starts to add up, especially if you're looking at the two to 300 extra calories per drink. If you're having, I'm just going to use four drinks as a, a round number, four times 200, you're looking at 800 extra calories just that just kind of snuck in there. For the record, this is not me endorsing any specific alcohol or endorsing saying, hey, go get hammered on vacation. I'm just saying if you are going to be drinking, these are best practices. So step one is going to be avoiding the mixed drinks. Um, you know, stick to things like rum and diet Coke or wine or champagne. And if you want to have a mimosa, you can do what I do. My version of a mimosa is I pour some champagne in a glass and then I pour orange juice in a separate glass. And then I just look at the orange juice and I drink the champagne. That's a mimosa. I'm sure most people are familiar with what the better choices are of alcohol. I'm just throwing out some options. And while we're on the topic, if they have these where you live, I'm going to give a huge shout out to Flying Embers. And I'm not going to give any more detail than that. I'll just leave it at Flying Embers. And if you want to look into it, go ahead. So on the alcohol topic, step one, avoid the mixed drinks. And step two, either start late or finish early. It's probably not a good idea to start early and finish late. Um, the way we metabolize alcohol, uh, you can handle quite a bit if you just start in the morning and continue drinking all day. Um, it will easily add up. Even somebody who has a, a low tolerance, if you're just drinking throughout the entire day, even if you never get intoxicated, that's still going to be potentially you know, a thousand plus calories that somebody could consume throughout the day. No problem. Just in alcohol. Um, so again, this goes back to having a plan, which sort of sets up everything, but, you know, look at your day and structure it around that. If, if the morning is more important, or if generally for most people, it's going to be the evening, try to, to compress drinking into a tighter window. Think about like intermittent fasting, but instead it's intermittent drinking and try to leave yourself. If, if you're going to pick the later strategy where you drink later, try to leave yourself a little window before bed. Again, if we're just trying to stack cards in our favor, going to bed uh, with a good amount of alcohol still yet to be metabolized um, is going to really negatively affect your sleep, 
which is going to have downstream consequences. Obviously, you're going to have lower energy. You're probably going to be more irrational in terms of your food choices. You're going to be less likely to want to train, which is going to then compound and affect your appetite. And again, it just sort of goes down the train of bad decisions. So if you can give yourself some time before bed, stop drinking, maybe start hydrating and set yourself up for a successful tomorrow, that is going to be the best strategy. So boom, avoid the mixed drinks and then either start late or finish early, preferably both. Incorporate some intermittent drinking. And if you don't drink again, you're several steps ahead and you don't have to worry about this at all. I would just say still pay attention to not drinking your calories. For the most part, it's just going to be kind of a, a wasted decision or wasted calories, uh, sodas and, you know, your naked juices or whatever those are called. They're not really going to fill you up kind of wasted energy intake at some level. Um, so you'll probably do much better to save your calories for things that you can actually eat that will be more satiating and probably more enjoyable. And we are on to the final step, which is to be protein heavy. So again, if you've listened to any of my other podcast episodes, you'll know that I've mentioned and probably some of my guests have mentioned that protein of, of the three macronutrients, technically alcohol is the fourth, maybe we could call ketones the fifth, but separate topic. So if we're going proteins, fats, and carbs as your, you know, your three major macronutrients, proteins are by far going to be the most satiating. I gave this example in one of the previous episodes where I talked about 96% lean ground beef, uh, a whole pound of it is 520 calories. So comparing that, if you if you were to cook a full pound of 96% lean ground beef, it's, it's mostly protein. There's some calories from fat in there, uh, but it's mostly protein. If you were to, to put that all in a bowl, most people would, myself excluded, uh, most people would have a really hard time eating all that versus 500 calories of something like, you know, uh, chips and guac, extremely easy for even someone who's a small eater to just down 500 calories pre-meal um, doing something like that. So for one, protein is, is going to be satiating. So it's going to help you make better decisions throughout the rest of your day. If you're not super hungry, you're going to be less likely to eat, you know, the croissants and whatever else is going to be all around you on vacation. Uh, but two, we know that protein plays an extremely important role in maintaining or maintaining muscle, preventing muscle breakdown, and also putting on muscle. Um, if you're on a vacation, you may not be putting on a ton of muscle uh, unless you're in a, a few circumstances where it's very easy for people to put on muscle. This will be a separate podcast episode, um, but just to highlight it, if you, you are someone who's detrained, so maybe you've never trained before with resistance training or um, you have trained previously, but it's been a year or it's been a long time since you've trained, you're, it's going to be pretty easy for you to put on muscle. So even just doing bare minimum on vacation, you're probably going to put muscle on. Um, but for most people, if you train regularly, um, you know, conditions are not the best to just get super jacked on vacation. Um, but at the very least, you want to prevent any sort of muscle loss. So resistance training is going to be step one, but step two is going to be making sure that you're getting enough protein in and vacation foods tend to be very 
or, or any foods really that tend to be viewed as fun foods tend to be extremely heavy carb and fat uh, and less on protein. So most of the time, you're never really going to hear of someone who gets fat because they ate too much mahi-mahi and chicken breast and you know lean steak. It's generally going to be they overate on these other foods. Obviously, all calories matter. I'm not saying that protein calories don't don't play a role in the picture. Um, but if you can focus on making sure that you hit adequate protein every day, again, that's going to keep you more full. That's going to help you from losing any muscle. But it's also similar to what I mentioned earlier about staying active and still training on vacation. It's also going to play a role likely uh, in your psychology. So it's just another card that you're sort of stacking in your favor. You're still, it's another decision that you're making that is in line with your long-term goals that will probably play a role in, in helping you make other good decisions while you're on vacation. So we're right back to having a plan again, thinking about your day. How am I going to get enough protein in? I've talked about protein requirements before. It seems like somewhere between probably 0.8 grams per pound of body weight uh, to one gram per pound. Obviously, if you weigh four or 500 pounds, you probably don't need four or 500 grams of protein in a day. Um, but that's a, a good reference point for most people listening. If you can try to, to accomplish that on vacation, that's a, a really good starting point. This is where things like protein powder actually can be very useful. Uh, big fan of Stan Efforting. And if you're familiar with Stan, he talks a lot about, you know, shakes are for fakes, eat steaks. That's one of his quotes, where his point is just get your protein. Don't spend the money on protein powder. Like just get your protein from, from real foods. Um, and I, I tend to agree with that, but at the same time, especially on vacation, protein powder is really easy to bring really easy to transport. You know, it's dry. You could just put it in a baggie. No problem. Uh, I've flown with protein powder plenty of times. I have been stopped by TSA because I flew with vanilla protein powder which happens to be similar to another white powder that people would apparently try to fly with. Um, other than that, no problems. So you've got your protein with you. Um, you're already looking at the menus at different places that you're going to eat to sort of base your meal around. How am I going to make sure to get enough protein in? And you can even use it as, as a tool to preset yourself up before a meal. So Back to the pizza dinner example, pizza is going to have very minimal protein. Um, so you're probably going to structure your day to get more protein leading up to that dinner. But you can even have a scoop, you know, if you look at like a scoop of whey protein powder, generally somewhere around 120 to 130 calories and about 20 to 25 grams of protein. The calorie to protein ratio is extremely favorable. And if you're looking at something like 130 calories, the benefit that you're probably going to get from that versus the, I guess you could call it cost of 120 calories. If you were to have a scoop of protein powder, a little protein shake right before you go to your pizza dinner, that way you at least get your protein in. What that's also going to do is probably cause you to eat quite a bit less. Even though it's liquid calories, it's almost entirely protein and it is going to be satiating. So a good move for before a dinner like that, like a pasta or a pizza dinner, would be to have a scoop of protein. Not only is that helping you meet your total requirements, but it's also going to help you to eat less. And that way, you're 
still getting to enjoy your dinner, but you're not entirely ravenous by the time you get there. And that really rounds out the tips and strategies to staying in shape on vacation. I just want to add a last component in there, which is delaying gratification. And that is the overarching theme of all of this. Back to the very beginning, talking about trying to make decisions that are net long-term positives. And delaying gratification plays such a big role in that. And in the big picture strategy, and then even just in a more surface level, you know, if you can delay gratification of that one dinner that, you know, if you're traveling somewhere, I'm in San Clemente, California, there's a restaurant called Nick's that has a pretty famous butter cake. And, you know, if you're traveling to San Clemente and you know you want that butter cake, get it on the last day. Instead of getting it on the first day, delay that gratification, set yourself up to win, and don't stack losses. A lot of times we get in this headspace of, you know, ah, I screwed up. I wasn't planning on eating that. It was off plan. So the whole thing is just a a wash now. I'm going to do whatever I want. Never have two bad days in a row is an awesome rule to live by. So in summary, have a mindset shift ahead of time. Understand, you know, think about your vacation the way a robot would think about vacation. Um, Have a plan every day going into it. When it comes to alcohol, avoid mixers and either start late or finish early, preferably both. Do some intermittent drinking and be active. Move throughout the day. Have a plan. Have a dedicated, you know, 30 minutes to train. And then outside of that, just move throughout the day. And lastly, make sure to focus on protein. But man, I hope this was useful. I hope it was timely as vacations start to come up. Fourth of July starts to come up. And I hope it's something that if you listened, you can reference back to in future trips. And, you know, vacation should be something that builds momentum and doesn't take us back. And I think applying some of these steps or strategies can help turn vacations into something that's fun, but you come home feeling like you took a step back to something that you build a lot of great memories and you come home just ready to hit the ground running, feeling like you made progress. And these are coming from someone who's traveled quite a bit, largely for work, uh, but a ton of, of personal travel as well. And this has all happened during times of my life where, you know, at one point trying to play in the NFL or trying to, you know, stay in shape for college ball to now just trying to be the baddest human being I can possibly be and trying to make sure that I stay strong and fast and powerful so I don't get my head knocked off when I come home and I'm boxing or sparring or whatever I'm doing. So it's, it's something that I've over the years have just gotten better at. And anytime you do something for a long period of time, you pick up these little tips and tricks. And so that is what the purpose of this episode is just to kind of share what I've learned and what I've seen work for other people. But if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate that. And always welcome any feedback, positive or negative. Or if there's any clarification that you'd like, I am happy to answer anything that comes my way. But I hope you all have an awesome fourth. If you're here in the U.S. and for those who are listening, I got to keep on mentioning, for some reason, India climbing to about 40% of the listeners of this podcast which still blows my mind so i understand you're probably not celebrating the fourth but 
I hope wherever you are in the world, you have an awesome week, a strong week, a strong weekend, and I will see you all on the next episode very soon.